<laughs> so, do you want to talk about your phone? My phone? Yeah. Oh, God, right. So, um, when we got back from inbound, Chris, uh, the, the new iPhones were released. And yeah. I, I was in... I was at in Westfield Shopping Centre on on the day of release, and this is part of the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, I was I was wandering through Westfield um, on the day of, day of release on the iPhone, and and I, I I wasn't planning on getting it. When I woke up in the morning, I, I was fine with my phone. I wasn't really planning on getting it. <laughs> But I'm I'm at Westfield. I see there's not much of a queue, so I go to the Apple Store, queue up, um, and say, do, "Do you have any in stock?" Kind of like hoping to, they say no, so I didn't spend a grand on a phone. Um, and they said, "Oh yeah, we, we've got loads in stock." Actually, I was like, "Oh shit!" So I I then had the dilemma of which one do I get because I've currently got the 10s Max, got the big boy, um, and I I I. For, my work phone is the 10R, which is a slightly smaller screen. As soon as I got this screen, I thought, actually, I'm, I think I want the smaller screen. So I, I took the plunge and I went for the smaller um, iPhone 11 Pro. And I got it in midnight green. Um, got the phone. And after I got it, usually when you buy something new, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is great. I feel so happy. I've worked so hard for this. Then my first feeling was, fuck's sake. Like, why have I just spent this money on it? I didn't need a new phone. And so I took it back that Friday, uh, started playing with it over the weekend. Really, really liked the smaller phone. Really liked the smaller screen. But I just, I, the whole time I was like, I didn't, didn't need this upgrade. My, this is in no way, shape or form, in my opinion, better than my old phone. So for a starters, the battery life wasn't as good, but that is because I downgraded size. I thought the the, the bigger battery or the better battery performance would have leveled it out to the bigger phone from the last gen. Um, I the the camera didn't really do much for me. I mean, it wasn't an upgrade as much as just something a bit different. Right. And then I also I, I hate the material on the back. It made it so slippy. <laughs> Um, so, so, so here's what's interesting, right? So you and I talked about this when we were in Boston. Um, I I was using a uh, up until what two two or three weeks ago using a six S plus uh, that I bought uh, what four years ago when I was in Australia. Um, I've been using that ever since. Desperately, desperately wanted to upgrade my phone uh, and didn't do it last year, but have done it this year. Um, and what I thought was really funny is that I like am in love with this new phone. The camera quality is amazing. Um, the uh, it, it's so much fun. Yeah, actually, you and I went into the Apple Store, didn't we? And we're like in Boston, side by side, a comparison of my phone compared to the whatever the last year's model was, the 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 10s, uh, and saw how how much faster the new models that even a three year old model would be. Um, the camera's amazing. It's so much faster. I was in London yesterday. Um, I went up at uh, lunchtime, um, met up with a friend for, for lunch. But I, apart from that, I used my phone the whole day. And when I got home, I didn't bother to put it on charge. I just put it beside the bed. And I woke up this morning and it was still on like 50% battery. Like it was just, just like the... It, so I think it's a... The improvement is enormous but i think it's one of those things that like year on year improvements are, are still 
Uh, they're still solid. They're still uh, they're still worthwhile. But I think if you go from last year's phone to this year's phone, it's not a, as big a jump. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I I I've been lucky enough for the last few years to be upgrading my phone every year. And what I do is I, I get it on monthly payments and sell my phone at the end of the year, pay off that and get out a new contract. But the one problem here is, and I, I think it was part of the reason I was so resentful of the new iPhone, and that's I was resentful of it, uh, was I, I didn't get monthly payments on it. I bought it outright. And it just it felt so much worse for me. I thought, oh, I've spent so much money as opposed to paying monthly for, for the phone. But yeah, the end of my story is yeah, after the weekend, I took it back and w- went back to my old 10s Max. And I, oh God, I've never been so happy to have my old phone back. <laughs> I saw your tweet that you were taking it back. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> oh, it just made me laugh. Thanks, mate, yeah. Um, but I, since I've had my phone back, there's a few things that happened. I, I'm happy to have a good battery life again. I actually realized that even though I did like the smaller screen, I'd need to have the bigger screen. I just need it. It is, it is nicer. You, you get used to the fact it, it is bigger. Um, and I also know that if I had have got the, um, the, the 11 Pro Max, I would have been fine because the battery life would have been amazing. And um, it, it is really, really astonishing. Like I'm, you know, I work from home. I've got a, a wireless charger on my desk that I just stick the phone on during the day. So I haven't really, since I got the phone, I haven't really tested the battery. Um, but yesterday was phenomenal. Well, I've got, to, I've got to say, Chris, I've never actually been disappointed with the 10s Max battery. So I got up at 7am and I'm on 46% at um, sort of 20 to 9. And I, I am absolutely fine by that. Like I'm absolutely fine. I've I've never been disappointed, but I know the the 11 Pro Max would have been would have been much better. But I'm I'm happy for you. I'm actually delighted for you because you went from the first generation iPod, I I uh, Apple Watch, um and the the 6s Max to plus sorry, fucking names again, um, to brand new stuff. And I'm so happy for you because that, that is such a good upgrade and they're so nice. It's been great. I'm so happy. <laughs> New Apple, new Apple, new Apple toys. You're fine. Oh, best, you're fine. best day ever. You've finally been brought into the uh, 21st century, which is good. Yeah, it's a nice change. Um, well, when's the when's the iPad going to be up- updated, upgraded? Uh, I think I heard something about them bringing out new ones next no, well, year. Well, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm saying when are you going to upgrade? Oh, I, I guess. Uh, I mean, mine still runs reasonably well. Um, one of the things I am really liking is um in iOS 13 the 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 what what they call desktop class uh safari mm-hmm. um so hubspot works yeah. in safari now and it is fantastic like it's, it's not perfect it's not sort of what you'd get on your on your macbook or whatever but it's pretty close. You can build workflows. You can build chat flows. Um, you can, you know, edit contact info. You can do all that kind of stuff um, as if you were, you know, on, on a just on a computer. Um, really, really handy. See, that's the thing I find with iPads, though. You said in there, it's pretty close. And it'll always just be pretty close. Um, but again, I think the trade-offs of the iPad is it's light and nice and it's quite fun and really nice to own. So, mm. Yeah, I, I look, I, th- I think... It's it's I mean I know it's it's what ten years old now but it's still a it's still a an emerging platform, 
yeah, you know, in, yeah, in, in yeah. a way. Like, it's, it's um, uh, I mean, this was a big upgrade. Uh, what, do, what do they call it now? iPad, iPad OS, isn't it? Um, you know, that from a, from a uh, capability perspective, I guess, uh, it's been, uh, it's been really, really good. So what are we talking about tonight? We are going to be talking about inbound because we were both there and we haven't done a pod since then. Um, also, I want to chat to you about investing in your business, investing in your agency and sort of your thought, thoughts in it on it, I guess. Um, also, a little bit about WeWork. God, the WeWork thing is brilliant to me. So I'll, we'll have an entertaining chat about that. A bit about no code and Webflow and then Wistia's launch um, last week, which, which I really enjoyed. So inbound, Chris, how did you find it? Uh, I was disappointed that we only had one lobster roll. <laughs> I was disappointed in how expensive the lobster roll was and how I mean, little lobster I got from is it. expensive. So here's the issue that I had. Um, I I have been so right. So in Australia, hot chips are chips, and crisps are also chips. You just you just know from context. They're both called the same thing. They're both called chips, but just the context just people just know. Um, but over here in the UK, hot chips are chips and potato chips are crisps, right? So you and I <laughs> went into this place God, yeah. to get lobster rolls and I said to you, you want your lobster they do it hot or cold? And I was like, You want your hot lobster roll and you want chips. Hot chips. And you were like, yep, cool, ordered. I went right behind you, ordered the same thing. And then five minutes later, we got given two lobster rolls with no chips and had to go back to the counter. And we're like, hey, where are our chips? And they were basically like, they're over on the wall. And it was Here crisps. are your chips. They were, yeah. they were fucking crisps, Chris. Crisps. Crisps. They were not chips. <laughs> no. But now, now I've learned you say fries. That's what it is, isn't it? It's fries in, in the US. Yeah. Oh, well. well Always next year. half a Lana's chicken wrap, which is delicious as well. <laughs> you have a lobster roll and a half a chicken wrap. <laughs> um, I thought Inbound was good. Um, I uh, enjoyed the event. Um, it always feels really quick. I, I made an effort this year, and I don't remember who, who said it. Someone mentioned it from the stage. It might have been... Uh, uh, in in the intro, actually, I made an effort not to go to as many talks or as many sort of breakout sessions and stuff like that. I, I did skip a few and had a few, you know, a bit of time out because in in previous years I've just rammed the schedule, you know, with six or seven sessions a day, and you're kind of running between all the different sessions. Um, I did take the time to not you know skip sessions that I wasn't that interested in uh, and try and you know chat to people in the in the halls and you know catch up with people who when you were there um yeah it was it was a really good event yeah i i I say the same thing um in terms of it went quickly but they always go quite quickly when it's when it's that intense and there's so much going on um i also made an attempt to not not go to I, I did go through a lot of sessions, but not worry about them if I missed them and spent time actually wandering around or speaking pe- speaking to people, meeting people. Um, I, I also 
I also focused on going to chats or talks that I thought I'd enjoy rather than ones I thought I'd get value from. Because the last few years I've been to the, oh, what you should do with video and then marketing, growth marketing. But this time I really, uh, I, I had a bit more of an idea of some of the speakers that were there. And I focused on going to the sessions where I knew it would be a good talk. I knew it would be interesting. I mean, some of the ones I really enjoyed. I'll, I'll, I'll pick out, I'll pick out two or three. Um, Jay Simon Simons from Atlassian. He's the president of Atlassian. I found that fascinating to see how Atlassian have um, have grown um, and how how their pricing model works. And that was more of a story. And I loved the story over the sort of the, the tactics type session. And then one I went to was from Patrick Campbell from Profitwell. Um, Profitwell were an amazing company. And it, th the reason I say I went to this because I thought I'd enjoy it more is because I have no product which... Um, so Profitwell is a pricing company. I have no product which pricing is even relevant at all to me. And the whole session was about product pricing. But I found it so fascinating and so enjoyable to listen to and to sit in because Patrick was so knowledgeable and he told it as a story. I took loads of notes on that. I, found, I genuinely found it fascinating. Then the other one was Wistia's Phil Nottingham, who spoke about brand brand affinity marketing, which, which we'll get onto um, later in the episode. And that was, that was really enjoyable because it was something I really resonated with and it was just a fun talk. What about you? What about some of the sessions you went to? Um... My my favourite, I think. Well, there was there was a couple that stood out. Uh, Richard Wood at Partner Day. Um, Rich uh, runs an agency um, called Six and Flow here in the UK, um, and he did a fantastic session about for for partners about um, about running uh, about basically onboarding clients with with the HubSpot free tools. You know, and kind of that that seed and grow mentality, I guess, uh, of of getting people in and, and get them using HubSpot free, um, uh, you know, to 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 do the basics uh, and then helping them grow from there. Obviously, you know, with something like HubSpot, it's a massive commitment up front. Um, but if you can get started for free, yes, you might not have all the functionality that you've got in the pro or enterprise versions. But uh, you know you, you can get started on the on the free stuff and, and still see some amazing results. So that was fantastic. Rich was really good. Um, my other my other favorite was uh, which you, you I went to twice. You came the second time was um, Emily Howard and Kyle Jepson from uh, from HubSpot. Um, they're on I think Kyle's on the HubSpot Academy team. Uh, I don't know if Emily is she. So I met Emily like five years ago when I went over to Boston to do some of their classroom training. Um, she was in the, she was sort of leading the session um, that, that I was in uh, and her sessions at inbound are always really, really good. So it was all about automating the boring parts of sales. Um, so some really, really interesting ideas for workflows uh, that, that, you know, people in sales can use inside of HubSpot to streamline processes and, uh, achieve things quicker and yeah just some really really great tips yeah I, I i yeah you're right i did go to that one it was so good you went to it twice and i i, I enjoyed that because 
that that was very actionable and it was stuff that um i hadn't really considered before and it was very much okay so here's some examples go away and do them all right that's really useful that is really useful i can just get on and do it yeah Uh, so a, a couple of the workflows from that session uh i got back on the saturday uh so we we flew out on the friday night got back on the the saturday morning to london on monday i implemented some of those things for my customers um you know so that that kind of stuff is is just gold i i I enjoy the 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 kind of conceptual or or sort of high level talks occasionally but but when the ones that really stand out for me are hey guys bang do this bang do this uh, and you might not be able to do everything that's that's listed out in one of those sessions, but there's always one or two sort of bits of gold that that apply to your situation. Yeah, so, so some of the sessions that I went to were a bit like that, but I didn't necessarily agree with what they were saying, or there was no real validation behind it. So it was more their theory of you should do this instead of the the the, the sales automation workflows, which are which are very this is logical if you do this you will save time doing this as opposed to well we think that based on our experience if um if you put this in this might work as opposed to you do this this will happen that's kind of why i love automation and it's interesting what you say about um rich's talk as well um because uh knowing how you can show value to clients of the free tools is a perfect way into them getting used to how HubSpot works and the HubSpot methodology. And it's just a great sort of, I, I don't know if he charges for it, but it's a great lead generation tool. It's great for just starting people off. And I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, anything else about inbound? I, I've, we enjoyed the food. The food's always good there. Food's always good. Um, uh, I mean, I was I was a bit um, disappointed uh, at the at the amount of product that wasn't announced. I guess um, you know HubSpot have been talking about a lot of stuff this year uh, that that was on the way. They've kind of been sizzling a whole bunch of different stuff with their with the Connect. Uh, you know, HubSpot Connect being able to do, uh, you know, add different apps to workflows and all this kind of stuff. Like we've already talked about the Asana one. There was supposed to be loads more of those coming. They've really, really been plugging that uh, ecosystem and how it's going to do more and more and more. Uh, and uh, this is this potentially unfair, but off the top of my head, the only thing that really came as far as HubSpot Connect was the redesigned marketplace. Which is cool, like you know, it looks great, but it would have been nice to see uh, a lot more features um, and and improvements. And there was a lot of optimizations done, but I remember you and I was was sat with each other in the in the product keynote and just we turned into each other and we're like, uh, wasn't this announced like three months ago? It seemed to be the the product keynote seemed to be more of a of a retrospective rather than a. Um, you know, here's what's coming now. Um, you know, there's only really, uh, there's the, um, there's a few things coming in, in sales pro and a couple of things coming in marketing enterprise, but it's not like previous years where it's like, Hey, these are the 10 new features that are coming to enterprise. And these are the six that are coming to pro. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of a bit of a shame, but I'm hoping what we'll see is more, stuff rolled out over the course of the next 12 months you know like they'll start to drip feed out 
stuff that potentially should have been announced at inbound and wasn't. Um, so we'll see a bit more of that. Just we'll see a bit more volume released month to month rather than saving everything up for a big keynote in September next year. Yeah, and I, I've, I've got to say, when when I've been to the keynotes for the past two years, the first year especially, I've always come out feeling like really excited for all the new things I'm going to be able to do. And this is the first year I was like, what the fuck? Like, where's where's the... Sorry, I'm in a swearing mood today. I was like, well, where's the... Where, where's the interesting stuff here? The stuff I can get my hands on and, and do some cool stuff with. Like, that. that's what... That's what I really thought the keynotes were for. It was like when Apple used to do their keynotes, used to leave thinking, wow, this is so cool. There's so much I can do. Um, and as you say, this was the first time where they were announcing stuff that I thought they'd genuinely already released. And when we were looking at each other thinking, um, well, how, how are they announcing that now? I'm pretty sure um, that, 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 that it could already do that. Um, but I, I would say one thing in their defense... Back in the podcast we did a while back early in the year, um, you said you were hoping for a snow leopard year. And Chris, that is what you got. Uh, I, I did say that. Um, and I, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I, the thing is, when I said, like, I wanted a snow leopard year, um, there was, you know, the, the whole thing with Snow Leopard is that it was performance improvements and, and tweaks and all that sort of stuff. Um, if you don't know the story, Google Snow Leopard, um, zero new features, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Uh, but when I... This is the thing with that, is what I, what I kind of meant was I don't want to see new hubs. Essentially, what I wanted them to do, or what I really would have liked to have seen them do, is focus on... Yes, optimization and stability improvements, but also um, on uh, bringing out the stuff that people have been clamoring for for years. Um, there's a, I was, <laughs> you, you're, uh, this is unfortunately how I uh, uh, berate my darling fiance. We were out walking the dog today and we were just talking about some different stuff, talking about work stuff. And I got into this like full 10, 15 minute rant at her uh, not, not that it's her fault, about how difficult it is <laughs> to manage users in HubSpot, um, which we've talked about before, but uh, I'm working on a project at the moment that's got like 60 or 70 sales users. Um, and <laughs> managing them, like you have to go into each individual account and manage those users. Do you know what I mean? We've, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times before, but it's just stuff like that. It would have been nice to see um, so if you've got 70 people um, on a on an account, you need to log into each person's account individually to set up their G Suite integration, to set up their meetings links, to set up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Look, that's a, that's a feature that there'll be other features that other people who use HubSpot will be like, no, 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 it's more important that we have X feature. Everyone's got their own kind of wish list and it's super easy for us to sit here on a Wednesday night and spend Brian and Damesh's money. Um, you know, like it's 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 really easy to do, but there's just stuff stuff that I would have liked to have seen come out this year uh, that that just didn't make it. So it was a bit of a shame. Do you reckon they suffer from big company syndrome a little bit now, um, where where it's harder to ship things because they're bigger? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I don't think so, because there have been 
you know, in, in fairness to HubSpot, there have been lots of, I was on the, the uh, product keynote, uh, sorry, the product monthly thing that they do for partners this morning, uh, or yesterday morning, I don't even remember what day it happened, um, and there were some interesting announcements on there. Um, so there is little bits and pieces kind of dropping out, but yeah, so I'm hoping for a big inbound 20 as far as product goes. Uh, and, and, and again, like I don't want to see a new product hub. Well, hopefully they'll wow us again next year, hopefully by not introducing a new hub, but just some good, solid features. I know I keep going on about that, but you know what I mean? Like last year was service and video and all this kind of stuff that, that to be honest, everyone who, who, you know, the, the big sort of sales and marketing fans in, in, in HubSpot, I think we're kind of like, eh? Like we've got Wistia, that's great. Oh, like the, we've already got that. We don't need HubSpot video. We've got you know other tools for service. Let's let's figure out the sales and marketing stuff before we worry about service. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah, I agree. Um, so I, I want to move on to talking about investing in in your business, and the re- reason I want to chat about this is because um, I have many side projects, as you know, and. The, the one I've been doing for a little while is an e-commerce business, which hasn't been particularly successful. Um, and I, I started off drop shipping phone cases. And I got frustrated with this because it was a really poor experience for anyone who bought it. You'd buy a case and it could take um, uh, 30 to 40 days to come to you. And it wouldn't be in custom packaging or anything like that. So I started looking into how, how I could make the experience better so my own packaging have inventory um and just make it generally a lot nicer but at that point it started to get very expensive because if you've got one design of a phone case you need it in multiple sizes throughout multiple phones and although it's not an expensive product you then have to have um the 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 next color you have, the same thing. And then when the new phones are coming out, you've got to then find the new cases, get inventory for all of that. Um, and then I was looking at packaging. That was a whole nother nightmare. And like, I couldn't get any samples, all from China. If you get it in the UK, it's outrageously expensive. I got frustrated with it. So I sort of stopped looking into it. But recently, um, and I, I, I f- there's a story of this that I probably told you about when I went to Spain, found some leather bags, brought them back, wanted to try and sell them. And I've got this wallet. My I really like my wallet, and I've never been able to find it anywhere else. It's just this really slim, slim wallet. Um, and I haven't been able to find it since I bought it. I was like, I know. What if I, what if I find someone to make this for me, and I try to sell it? How how much would it cost me to do that? So I, I, t- I talked to a few people, um, email a few people to try and find out. And I find this guy who hand makes these leather, small leather goods. I'm going to see him on Friday in Gloucester and uh, visit his workshop, sort of see how he makes them. Because I think there, there could be an opportunity to try and sell these handmade leather goods from the UK with the uniqueness of it being it's premium handmade leather. It's not going to be churned out in a factory like anywhere else you get on the high street. This would be unique to you 
and it is handmade in the UK. And a lot of people like that. And the uh, I want to get the experience as best as possible. So you go, you want to buy uh, one of these wallets from me. It's going to be amazing quality. It's going to be handmade. There's going to be a personal note in the packaging. The unboxing experience is going to be lovely for you. Um, you're going to get it shipped to you um, next day at no, no extra cost because it's going to cost a lot in the first place. I'm thinking, how much do I invest in it in, in the first place? And that then got me thinking about investing in business in general. So for you, Chris, how, how much should you invest in your business or when you're starting out or when, when you're doing it monthly? And when do you, just, do you decide to start putting money into it? Um, I think that's a really tough question to answer mm. because obviously it's different for every business. Um, I have always, uh, if there's, there's two extremes of like trying to do everything yourself and investing in stuff, I think I'm more on the side of uh, investing, to be honest, um, uh, rather than trying to do everything myself. Uh, I do build my own websites and write my own content and all that kind of gear. Um, but the, the, the area that I tend to invest the most in is tools um, for, for actually doing the work that I do. Uh, and I've I've kind of always been the same. Um, or, or that's always sort of been my philosophy, really. Um, I uh, many many years ago, uh, I was when I was doing web development, I was involved with a um, a local uh, Joomla user group. We used to build a lot of websites on Joomla. Um, the, the, this company that I was working with, uh, and there was probably I don't know. 15 20 regulars in this group and we used to meet up once a month and have a chat about you know there'd be a presentation about something and um uh we you know just talk about Joomla websites and everyone could chat about you know what problems they were having and all this sort of stuff uh, and what my my colleague and I discovered was whereas the two of us were inclined to just we would spend money on plugins we would spend money on themes we would spend money on you know, uh, backups, you know, all, all infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously pass that on to our clients. The, the rest of the guys in the group were adamant that they didn't want to spend money like on anything, like even though they were working for clients. So it, it was really interesting because they would, <laughs> these guys would basically use it like their their criteria for using a plugin or a theme or whatever even to pass on to their clients was it has to be free um and the problem with that is and you look at the same kind of thing in in like the wordpress ecosystem the free plugins are the ones that tend to last for three six twelve months they don't get updated uh they you know they stop working and and if you build a business off the back of those or you build a, even you build a website for a client off the back of that, and then it goes down six months later, guess who's on the hook to fix it? You. Um, so as an example, these guys used to use all these different form plugins for, for Joomla, uh, and they'd constantly be like, oh, this isn't working. I can't find out what to, how to do it. I can't get in contact with the developer. Whereas my colleague and I, we were building both Joomla websites and WordPress websites. We spent, I think, $150 
on a Gravity Forms plugin for for WordPress, and um, you had you know twenty four hour support. Uh, you could just you know get problems fixed whenever you need it, and that's that's basically you know one hundred and fifty dollars not to have to deal with you know spending three or four hours trying to fix a problem for every client. It's totally worth it. I I completely agree, and that is that's I think that's a point across all software. Um, if you don't support developers, they're going to stop making it, and um, you're going to get you generally get what you pay for. So I notoriously spend. 25 quid a month on my email client yeah so um i uh that gravity forms plugin for wordpress it's fantastic um it, it, it's arguably one of the top wordpress plugins for forms it does everything um i don't really build any wordpress websites anymore um but i still pay for the plugin every year like and i've been i've been paying it for what eight nine ten years now i just renew it every year because it's not that much money and when i do want to build a site i can just i can use that um i mean that's kind of a long-winded way of saying i believe you should invest in your business if, if you can do stuff you know if you can do stuff yourself then then great but it just it, people people quibble over small amounts of money uh and and you have to ask yourself how much your time is worth you know if 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 your time is worth you know whatever your day rate is whether it's 200 pounds a day 500 pounds a day 1000 pounds a day whatever um you know it, it, spending half a day trying to fix a problem is worth x is worth x amount of pounds yeah i, I, I so so wouldn't your time be better spent on something that didn't you know what i mean i'm well, not i'm not that, that, articulating whole, this very well that's that's the whole business model of um of my email client superhuman that they say how much is your time worth and they say we can save you time therefore um we 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 save you money but you you give us 25 pound a month and your time an hour is say um save 50 pound an hour if we save you two hours a month we've already made ourselves uh like the the values already been paid off uh, what investments have you made for your business what about say for instance gear for instance a laptop or or the, um or stuff that makes your life better do, do you invest in that sort of stuff yeah i think so i mean i i i like there's a line like we were talking about phones earlier in the um, in the in the episode. Like the the reason I didn't upgrade my phone for four years was because two years ago I quit my job to start a business. Um, you know, and and the reality is, it is hard. Like early days to to be you know to be bringing in cash. It's 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 hard what at whatever point of your your, your business it is. Um, you know, to be making sure your your sort of cash flow is consistent. Um, so. I, I will invest in stuff definitely, but not not at the expense of like paying the mortgage. You know, so th there's a, there's a fine line there. Like you have to um, you have to figure out what that line is. There's no point having a new iPad and a new phone and a new laptop if you actually haven't got the money to run the business and, and service your clients. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I do agree that having the right gear makes the job so much easier. 
What's the biggest investment you've made into electric motors? HubSpot. Yeah. Yeah, that's with, without a doubt. Um, the the and, and and it was uh it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying, um because uh it, it was it was just it was kind of a whim i knew it's what i wanted to do uh, eventually but i didn't think i was going to do it at the time um and uh yeah it cost a shit ton of money like you know an enormous amount of money um but yeah it, it's it's paid off but it could have just as easily not have uh, yeah so that that's probably the biggest investment that i've I've made in 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 the business so far. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, back in November, I made a silly financial decision, and I say it's silly because it hasn't paid off for me, but I don't really regret it. Was when was when I wanted to start making better videos, and I was convinced that my gear wasn't right for it, and it wasn't. My gear was really not right for the the amount I was charging for the work I was doing. So on my credit card, I spent about two and a half grand on gear. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a camera, it was a nice light, it was a gimbal. Um, and all of those things in, in the gigs I've done since then, they've made me much, much, much more confident about doing it because I've, I've, um, I've, I've I've had the right gear. I felt more professional. I felt like I've got no excuse now. It is now down to um, m the the quality of the work I can do, not the level of gear I've got. So I, I I've no regrets about doing it. But I say it probably wasn't worth it because um, it, it hasn't paid off financially uh, in terms of the amount of work I've got from buying this gear. Um, and the other thing is, if I bought it all outright and I was planning on building it up over a number of gigs, but the trouble is I then spent that money and instead of paying off the camera, I used that to to live or to get something else. So um, that that was probably the biggest investment I did. Mm. I, I think with tools like that, like you often... Um you remember the days when everyone, not me, of course, and certainly not you, uh, used to use pirated versions of like Adobe software. Um, uh, it's not something I ever engaged in. Um, but, you know, I know of some people who definitely uh, were using uh, unofficial <laughs> versions of, <laughs> of Adobe Creative Suite. Um, and, uh, you know, because Adobe Creative Suite used to be thousands of pounds to buy it up front and then it would be out of date in, you know, 12, 18 months. And and now they're doing this thing where it's like you never own the software, but you only pay 60 quid a month. Um, if you're a designer or a creative, you, 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 you know, you're a video editor or whatever, if you're not making 60 quid a month from those tools, then you're not really doing, um, you're not really running a business. Um, so I, I, I think... I don't, I don't want to get into like the, the kind of uh, software subscription model discussion, um, but it's, 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 it's easier for people to make that kind of investment, say, oh, this is 60 pounds a month or 70 pounds a month. I can easily make that back rather than this is five grand or whatever it used to cost. 
up front and then I'm stuck with it. I don't get it. I don't get updates. I don't get anything like that. It's just this and I have to pay five grand again in another two or three years when I want the new version. Um, makes a lot more sense. Uh, so I, I think for the kind of work that we do, invest um, if, you, if you can afford to uh, and, and if the investment is going to actually give you a return. Hmm. What, 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 what do you think about my little pet project then? The little story I told at the, the start of the segment about the wallets. Um, uh, it's not a subject I know a lot about, to be honest. Well, it, it, it's, it's more, it's more um, how, how much is too much to go down the rabbit hole with it. Because I'm, I'm in a fortunate position where I've got a monthly paycheck coming in that I can, I can spend on stuff and I can experiment with. Um, and for instance, to get one prototype of this made, it's going to be 150 quid. Um, once I get the knives, which are like the the stuff to to produce them, um, they'll cost about 400 quid. And then and then it's probably about 40 quid a go for the wallets. Maybe maybe a little bit less. Mm-hmm. So how many people have you spoken to that want to buy wallets? So this is the thing. This is what I need to do before before I am um, before I go and take the plunge. So on Friday, I'm going to the guy to chat with him about how feasible is it and how much is it going to cost. Like overall, how's he made it work? And how does he find his customers? And then yeah, I I need to find people that buy it because that's something I always do with the little projects I start up. I never actually find anyone that's willing to buy it before I <laughs> before I make it. Yeah, I think I think the the important thing is uh, to focus on one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Is is you know because uh, I know you 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 love you love a side project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love a side project. I, I think. You know, like it, it's it sounds like an interesting idea, um, but you know, there's there's loads of people that already make wallets. I'd be interested to know more about what the market looks like. Um, you know, who who's actually looking for this kind of thing. Um, you know, I bought a new wallet just recently, but I bought it from uh, I, I actually bought it uh, online in the US and sent it to the hotel in Boston. Um, really? From, uh, from who was it from? From Nomad. You bought a Nomad wallet. Yeah, 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 because I, I really it? like their stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I think people are, the, the kind of people that buy that sort of stuff online are becoming more, it's that direct to consumer thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like brands like Away uh, and like Nomad that are making products that are making really, really good products and selling them direct to consumers, not going through shops. Um, I think you have to, to, to succeed in that market. Uh, I think you have to be really, really committed to making a quality product rather than just selling someone else's product. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And uh, I think your point about focus is so, so true. I need to be careful. I need to be very careful because I have very, very little focus, as you know well. You know, I, I go from from idea to idea. Um, and for this, I'm going to try and keep it as much of a little side hobby as I can and just spend, spend, my, spend some of my income experimenting with it. Because the worst thing that can happen is I'll just have a nice wallet for myself um, that, that is handmade by a fella 
but if if all goes well, I'd I'd love to be able to to ha- have a product that I can sell and be proud of, and yeah. um, it is is making making me some money on this uh, at the same time. Nice. Should, we, should we talk about someone who is not making money, or is or is hemorrhaging money? Shall we say, uh, WeWork, who. Um, I, I've been completely fascinated by this whole story and b- before we started recording y- you said I'd need to tell you a little bit more about it um, and I'll yeah. be more than happy to tell you. So I, I may not get all the facts completely correct but essentially WeWork went to IPO um, and that they filed for the IPO at a valuation of about $47 billion. Now the trouble with that is... Um, their yearly revenues were about two billion, but their yearly losses were also two billion. Um, so they, they they weren't making any money, and they are completely hemorrhaging it. So uh, the 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 problem is how how are they valued so highly? That's not the right. Why are they valued so high? Is highly the right word? Hi. So yeah. When they don't actually, they they don't own much property. They have leases um, committed up to forty-seven billion, and they're not filling all of their properties. So their upfront costs are so high, and there's so little profit that they're actually going to make. And there, there's a guy called Scott Galloway, who's really, really gone into them, like completely gone into them, and. He said um, they're now a distressed asset, um, meaning they are literally in free fall. Their, their main investor, SoftBank, are the only investor they've had since 2013. And they have piled, I think, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the lower. They've piled $12 billion into we work. They're the only only investor since 2013 that have put money into WeWork. Right. And that, that, that says something that no one else has touched it with a barge pole apart from these guys. Um, so they are burning through 700 million a quarter. Burning through. Um, and this, this guy, Scott Galloway, says... Uh, I I don't see any path that doesn't involve five to ten thousand layoffs in the next sixty days. It's distress ad asset that needs immediate restructuring. Restructuring. What can they do? And there's another article. I wonder if I can find it quickly. Bear with me. Um, I just uh, I I haven't actually got much left, mate. As far as time goes, we've been going an hour nearly already. Have we? Oh my. Yeah. Fuck. Sorry. Oh no, it's all good, buddy. So I've just got a couple of bits I need to get done before we before we go to bed tonight. I'm trying to get to bed early and go to, and get up early. Yeah, and that's I'm failing. Smart. Me too. <laughs> what failing badly? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm trying to go to bed at like ten and read for half an hour, but I usually find like I'm still on my phone at half past eleven, dealing with emails yeah. or whatever. I'll, and then I'll, I'll just turn the alarm off and sleep till nine o'clock. I'll um. Uh, yeah, I've I've been reading about like insomnia and sleeping. So we'll we'll wrap it up on this point. We won't do the other two. We'll leave that to another episode. Um, 
but yeah I've, I've also been trying to I've, I've been trying to not go on my phone before bed I've been putting on the TV but the phone is just terrible for you before you try to sleep yeah. but yeah so th- th- this this WeWork thing I'll, I'll leave all the articles in the show notes and you should read them because basically it's it's we fucked um, it's their their CEO Adam Newman um, is on the verge of being a fraudster really with it he's buying properties and then getting WeWork to rent um, rent from the properties that he's bought he should we, just, we should work. say we should probably say alleged fraudster yeah sorry uh, please no one sue me for I, I was and uh, yeah thank you Chris alleged fraudster and um, he also I love this fact. He he sold back the word we or the trademark we to WeWork for six billion. I told you this when we were in Boston. I I just thought that was insane. How you can? That's just like me buying the word the um, or the trademark the and selling the Electric Monk to you um, or the word the so you can call yourself the Electric Monk like. Uh, Honestly, it's it's the most insane thing. Um, so yeah, that they've now pulled their IPO, and this guy Scott Galloway has essentially said this company is done for. Um, he sees no other solution than them going to a tiny company with a one or two billion valuation, and SoftBank won't back won't <laughs> a tiny company with one or two <laughs> billion valuation, but they they'll be a fraction of what they are today. That's really interesting um, because it's it's one of those things that people seem to think that their business model makes sense. Like I've spoken to, I've been to meet with clients in London who have office space who are like, yeah, we're, we're actually moving out of here. We're going to move into a WeWork. So people do seem to to like them, but it just doesn't sound like they're making any money. Um, I, I I understand like, the 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 idea for um you know it, it makes sense to have like a community area that people can can work in but it sounds like they're I, I don't know a lot about them I've never um I've never uh well I've I've been to them I've not actually um I'm I'm not a customer um like I like the idea of having somewhere to go that's not the home office to go and meet people and network and do all that kind of stuff but um. Yeah, it just seems like a really strange uh, scenario. Yeah, so the, 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 the thing about the business model is, yes, it works, and it works very well. Regis are a really good example. I'll leave another link to a video in the in the show notes about um, how Regis is so profitable but valued so little and why we work is the opposite way around and it's the story that they they built it's the it's the vibe it's the community now i've actually been a we work customer for about six months prior and uh, i I just it was it was lovely to be there the real community feel they want to do everything to help you they'll give insane discounts to you because they've got this vc funding and just on that growth trajectory um their offices are lovely they're not actually too expensive um but the thing is they're spending so much money on growth and offering these discounts and subsidies and um, their, their fit outs. They're not actually running profitably. So investors have loved the growth of it and they know the business model works because Regis is a good case case study of it. 
but the way WeWork have executed it is is poorly from a financial standpoint. So yeah, that, that, that I just I, I just wanted your your thoughts on that. Well, I I, I, I mean I don't like I said I don't really have any because I don't know that much yeah. about it, but um, it's it's kind of fascinating that. I mean, they're not. They're certainly not the first company in the last twenty years to lose money for you know hideous amounts of time. Like Amazon wasn't profitable for you know a decade, uh, fifteen years maybe, um, and and they've only just started to turn that around in the last few years. They but but I think the difference there was they were pumping everything back into into the business. It doesn't sound like I could be wrong, but it doesn't sound like that is the case with we work. It's just that they're just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Well, the, the you could say they're investing back into it with with that money, but it's just not in a sustainable way. And um uh, the, the 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 trouble is with we work and it's not like the other software tech companies that might not ever make money your Uber, your Lyft, so on they actually have to pay for these buildings. Yeah. It's not like a software company where it's your software that you own, that is your asset, um, and your only obligation is to pay your staff. They've got to pay for these buildings. They've got yeah. to, they've got 47 billion in obligations to these buildings, and they can't just not pay that. Um, they can't just scale down. So it's um, a really tricky situation. Yeah. Well, I I, th I think we're gonna we're end it here because I, I we've gone way over. I've taken way too much of your time, Chris. Um, we did. W I did want to speak about Webflow, No Code, and Wistia, but I think we'll leave that till next week, um, which will be quite fun. Uh, mate, any last words? Uh, no, none. <laughs> I'm not dying, am I? <laughs> like, no, I'm not you're leaving. <laughs> just, I, I, sorry, it's just. Round off it just what was that? How, how are you meant to round off a podcast? I struggled with this earlier. I don't know. How I don't to know, but it. just saying any last words is a bit sinister. Like there was someone was about to jump into the room and you know, like a like uh, a, a clown, a guy in an it costume, um, <laughs> jump in and any kill last me. Words. Any yeah. last words? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, none. All right, mate. Goodbye. See you, mate. Bye.